just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to so that's my story, and I hope you won't think I'm too flip about mental illness, but should you, I would say, that's my story, and that's how I share it without guilt, and that's the story that brings me to you today. Welcome, friends, to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 14, today's hug, Escaping the Bondage of Guilt. I am Dr. Tammy West, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. So today's fun topic is the crippling thought pattern that begins with a big old letter G, and it is guilt. I decided to Google it right before I recorded, and most of what comes up is, you might guess, mom guilt. And apparently there's also a guilt emoji. Ugh. I think there's emoji for that too. So I suggest that you pause, if not now, at least later, and make a list of things that cause you guilt. Okay, welcome back. Some of the more common ones that I have seen or heard are not spending enough time with my kids, not spending enough time with my spouse, not doing a perfect job on everything for everybody at work and at home, not contributing enough to my community, not participating enough, participating enough in my child's school, having to say no to someone who asked me something, maybe to be a volunteer or on a committee. And the list goes on and on and on and it is so exhausting. Well, I hope within the next 20 minutes-ish that I am actually able to set you free from the bondage that is guilt. Because actually, some things I, I say I do better in, um, I still have struggles. But guilt, I've pretty much been able to turn it over and have found a better way to deal with it. Let's start by defining the word. You might remember I'm a word geek, and if we're going to use a word, we should use it correctly. So one definition of the word guilt is you are responsible for having done something wrong. Okay, so now I'm a big old, I'm a big on the power of visualization. So I'm going to suggest that you visual, visualize yourself sitting in a courtroom in the defendant chair. You're trying to determine or others are trying to determine if you are guilty over an issue. And it just makes sense to visualize yourself in a court of law because the definition that I gave you is so closely associated with that and we think about trials. So let's use an example here. Let's say that you have a job and you're working on a team, you're doing a project, and let's say that you finish your part of the project and you hand it over to one of your teammates. And you realize before you do it that you made a mistake, but it's just a tiny mistake. It's a math mistake. It would take you forever to fix it. It's not a big deal and so you don't fix it. So you turn the project over to your teammate he or she finishes it, you and that person turns it into your boss. Your boss catches the mistake, blames your friend, and you don't say anything. Now, let me see if I can get you to follow my line of thinking here. Let's say you go home, you pick up the phone, and you call your friend Sue. And you say, Sue, I made a tiny mistake today on a project. My teammate got blamed, and I didn't say anything, and now I kind of feel guilty. That's what we say, right? I feel guilty. So we say it all the time, right? We say that phrase, I feel guilty. That's a phrase you need to get rid of. You need to throw it out forever because it doesn't make sense to say, I feel guilty. Because if we look at the definition of the word, you either are or you aren't. 
Now, I know if I were you, I'd be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but that's pretty cut and dry. You did something wrong. What about the other things that I put on my list, like not spending enough time with my children or not calling my mother or whatever it is? Those are not so cut and dry. We'll come back to those in just a minute. But when I call my friend Sue and I say, I feel kind of guilty, why am I saying that? Like, what am I looking for from Sue? Well, honestly, what I want is I want her to make me feel better. I want her to make my guilt go away. Now, I'm not trying to say that that I'm being trying to be irresponsible or any way or shirk my responsibility. Freud actually gave it a name. He called it the pleasure principle. And he said that he has a lot of weird things, but this one actually made sense. He said that we don't want to feel emotional pain in our souls and we will do whatever we need to do to get rid of it. Emotional pain... For me, I don't know about you, but if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you don't like emotional pain. You don't like mental pain. For me, it's much worse than physical pain. I worry about emotional pain for my children more than I do physical pain. If they are suffering and lonely or feeling down or poor, that really just gets in my spirit and bothers me much more than if they, I don't know, I need to stop talking. Anyway, I don't like the... So anyway, back to Freud. We don't want to feel emotional pain in our souls and we will do whatever it takes to get rid of it. And so what I'm really asking Sue to do is to take my emotional pain away. And I want her to say, oh, it's okay. You didn't mean to. That's what I want her to say. Now contrast this. How does it seem different if I call my friend Sue and I say, Sue, I am guilty of not speaking up when I made a mistake and someone else got in trouble for it. You see how that sounds different? I'm... I'm saying I am guilty of, that's an admission. Instead of saying I feel guilty, which invites a response different from I am guilty of. We need to take that phrase, I feel guilty, throw it away and replace it with I am guilty. Okay, well, on the other hand, what if you're not guilty of something? What if, let's say, I didn't make a mistake, but the whole team got blamed. It was actually the boss who misunderstood. But I, but sometimes I, 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 because I was a part of the report, I might be like, oh gosh, I feel so guilty about this. What happens in a court of law? Remember, visualize yourself. You're sitting in that chair. What happens if you're not guilty? You didn't do anything wrong. What do they do? They set you free. That's an awesome phrase to adopt. I did not do anything wrong. I am not guilty. I set myself free and visualize yourself getting up out of that chair and walking out. Let's go back to if you are guilty. Because if you aren't guilty, you I have a little bit more to say about that. But you visualize yourself, you're free, you walk out of the courtroom. If you are guilty, what comes next? Well, continuing with our court analogy, what comes next in a court of law after the guilt and, and sentence the, the guilt or innocence stage is sentencing. You have to sentence yourself. I mean, sometimes if you've done something wrong, the sentence comes for you. But you have to figure out what your sentence will be. So my sentence in this scenario to my teammate would be to apologize, own up to it, tell the boss, fix it, and then it's done. The guilt stage is over. I finished my sentence and now I visualize myself again, walking out of that room and moving on. But I I realize that scenario is pretty black and white, right? There's really not a question to ask. Like if you made a mistake and you didn't confess to it and someone else got blamed, I mean, you're guilty. You did something wrong. Let's revisit some of those scenarios maybe you wrote down on your paper 
that aren't so cut and dry. The relationship issues, the time issues, the balance issues, the spending enough time with family and friends or work issues or whatever it is that you have in your life. Well, how do you know? What about this court of law thing? How do you know if you're guilty of those things? You may have a lot of different answers and sometimes people will say, well, people will tell you and then you'll know you're guilty. They'll tell you if you're not spending enough time with them. But that's not always true. And we can't always rely on what other people tell us to assess our guilt. Here's what I have to offer on that. The best way to determine if you're guilty in your life of some of those issues is to know your core values. Have you ever taken time to sit down with a list of values and a pen in your hand and do an assessment? Most people in the sessions where I speak have never taken time to do this. So I'm going to post a link to a core values assessment that I wrote in the show notes. So make sure you go get that. It has a list of values and values are things like honesty, helpfulness, family time, spirituality. I mean, it could be a lot of things. And you can see when you look at the list that it's not an all-inclusive list. There are others besides those that I just mentioned. And there are spaces at the bottom for you to add some things that I didn't put on there. Here's the way I recommend you do a values assessment. Sit down with the list and pick 10 and circle them. That's your initial assessment. 10 values that are important to you that you think you need or that you need in your life. 10 though can be too many when you're trying to make an important decision. You really need to narrow it down. Narrow it down to five. Okay, that's not a magic number. Maybe you'll have four, maybe you'll have six, but five is pretty good to shoot for, for as far as what guides your life. How do you do that? So you've got your list of 10. With each value that you've circled on your list, ask yourself this question. What do I do in my life that demonstrates this is a value to me? Let's say that I circled helpfulness. I circled helpfulness, you know, because it's on there. And what kind of a person would I be if I didn't value helpfulness? What would be wrong with me? So I circle it. Now I sit down and I think, okay, here I go. What do I do in my life that shows that this is a value to me? So I think, um, uh, well, and I got nothing. I can't think of anything. What does that mean about that value to me? Well, it could mean it's not a value to me. And I'm just, you've heard this before, and I was just should on myself. Okay. You've heard that little joke. I should on myself, which means, well, what kind of a person would I be if I didn't value helpfulness? Maybe my parents were very helpful. Maybe my friends are very helpful. And someone was sitting next to me and they were watching me. So I circled it. But really, it's just not a driving force to me. It's not a core value. That's one possibility. You need to mark it off. It doesn't mean that it's not important to you at all, but it's not one of your core top. The second possibility is it really is a value, but I'm not living that way. And if you have a value and you're not living that way, that's when we air quote feel guilty. So narrow it down to five by eliminating the shoulds. And then also narrow it down by trying to figure out if it's something that is important to you and maybe you're not doing it and you want to start up on that. Also eliminate by overlap. Um, Maybe you circled integrity and honesty. Those are pretty similar, so maybe you could just pick one of those. 
Guilt comes, I believe, when you have these core values that really are important to you. They really do drive you, but for some reason you're not living that way. For example, let's say you circle family time. You said family time is one of your core values. And let's say you work 50 hours a week. You bring work home, you think work, you eat work, you drink work, you sleep work. Are you guilty? Yes, you are. Not to me, not because I say so on this podcast, not because it's something about your list, but because you said family time is a core value to you and you're breaking your own value. Well, are there exceptions to that? Are there exceptions to times when it's on your list, but you're actually breaking it? Are you always guilty? Well, sure, there are exceptions. This is not an activity to help put substitute one bondage for another. Let's say you're a single mom. You are the only source of income for your children and you're working all these hours. Are you guilty now? Well, no. Financial security for those children certainly supersedes time together. You have to provide for their physical needs, their food, their clothing. That is absolutely important. Now, should you be making a plan for how you can get back to your core values? Of course. But it doesn't make sense for you to say you feel guilty because you aren't doing anything wrong. You are caring for your family. So often, so often this type of guilt that's associated with values comes from making choices in our lives because we don't really know what our values are. And let me, let me add something here too. It will feel really weird to not say you feel guilty Like say you work a lot and your children are doing poorly at school. Wouldn't it feel weird to just say, well, no, I'm not guilty of that. I'm not doing anything wrong. That just feels weird. It feels like you don't care. So if I'm going to ask you to remove that word, then what do you say? Because there is an emotion that you feel there. I know you can walk out of the courtroom and set yourself free of being guilty, but there's a feeling there. Um, How about maybe the feeling is you're sad or you're angry, or you're disappointed, it's something different. And this will help you get in touch with what the feeling is. And believe me, identifying the true emotion is life-changing rather than living with the constant phrase, I feel guilty. So the first step is make your values list, identify your core values, and then look for discrepancies between what you say you value and how you're living and then make choices to adjust your life as necessary. Now there is another type of guilt that we sometimes feel because we're pulled in a million different directions. Let me set up a scenario for you. Something that has happened in my past and you'll probably be able to identify some some similarities in yours. I've traveled a lot during my career. Sometimes years ago I would be gone for two weeks out of the month. And you might know that I have eight children in a blended family. And at the height of my travel, we still had five children living at home. My mother lived with my sister and my mother's health was not great, but she chose to live with my sister even though she could have taken care of herself. And my sister wanted to have her live with her in the beginning because she helped take care of my sister's children. And so it was a mutual decision, but mom's health was not great. So imagine... Here, here's what happened. I'm gone for a whole week. I get home, home late, maybe on a Friday, 10, 11 o'clock. Get up on Saturday and we get the phone call. Mom's in the hospital. Now as any, uh, quote, good daughter would do, I drop everything and rush off to the hospital. And my husband is looking at me saying, okay, you've been gone the whole week. You're leaving again tomorrow on Sunday. 
and and you're leaving us again today. Us, meaning him and the children. So I have this guilt, right? Now, at this point in my life, I didn't let things go any longer than I had to before I tried to seek a solution, and I just couldn't figure this one out. You know what I'm talking about? I wanted to be a good wife, a good mother, a good daughter, a good sister, a good friend, a good speaker, a good trainer. Ugh. You know, we could even say sometimes we want to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, sister, friend, speaker, trainer, person. All of that leads to a tremendous amount of this self-imposed feeling guilty. So I finally decided this was not working for me, and I went to a counselor. She's a counselor who's also a Christian. She gave me advice that I have been sharing for years because it absolutely changed my life. You hopefully know by this point that I base my decisions in my life, especially my important decisions, on, on biblical guidance. And so when she gave me this advice, it just rocked my world, and I want to share it with you. She gave me two verses that come from the book of Galatians. Chapters, it's in chapter 6, verses 2 and 5. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And chapter, I'm sorry, verse 5 says, each one shall bear his own load. So I'm asking this counselor, I'm saying, well, how is that supposed to help me? Bear one another's burdens, bear my own load. So what do I bear? Do I bear this? Do I not? We talked about it for for a little bit. And actually, I I had an analogy that came to me later that I thought was perfect. Um, Have you ever gotten on an elevator and there's a sign in there that says something like, um, maximum load, 10 people or 1,500 pounds, something like that? Well, that is the load is the weight that the elevator was built to carry. It was designed for it. It can carry it. So I compare that to the load in my life. And I want you to think about the load in your life. And I think I'll put a, a, another link to just a worksheet that has a place for you to list these things. Loads are typically things we choose. We pick them up along our path and they're things that we are equipped to bear. Things that we can carry. So if I ask you what your daily loads are, write those down, please. What are your daily loads? My loads are things like I got married. I chose to have children. chose to remarry. I chose to take on five other children. I chose my career path to buy a house. Do you see where I'm going with this? If you have children, you should probably take care of them, right? Bathe them, clothe them, feed them. Because if you don't, someone else will probably do it for you against your will. If you have a spouse, you should probably nurture that relationship. If you have a job, you should probably show up and do the best job you can. If you have a home, you need to take care of that home. Do you see what I mean by loads? There are things that we've chosen, things we need to take care of during, during our day. It's our daily stuff. Now contrast that with burdens. And this will also be, I'll have this little worksheet that you can download with just, just a chart for loads and burdens. What are the burdens in your life? Maybe pause again or do this on the worksheet at some point. See, burdens are things we typically didn't choose. They typically came upon us without our permission, and they're often more than we could bear alone. Maybe it's an illness that came on you. Maybe a spouse left you. Maybe you have sudden financial disaster. These are burdens. So here, here's how I use these verses. Whose load are you responsible for? Absolutely your own. You're responsible for your own load. And whose load are you not responsible for? Anybody else's. Oh, this sounds so different from what you've probably heard me say before about caring for one another. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean you don't help people. 
because you know I believe that we are all here on this earth together to serve one another, to help one another, not in a doormat way. But what I do mean is that we typically, we carry our own load, but then sometimes people will come to us and, and literally dump their load on us. Will you loan me money when I don't even have my own money? Um, will you take on this extra assignment? Will you volunteer? Will you do this? Will you do that? And if we're doing it just because we don't want to hurt people's feelings and we don't want to say no. And so we say, sure, I will take your load. Please give it to me. And what do we wind up dropping? Oftentimes our own loads. See, that's what I was doing with my mother. Let me explain. I said my mother's health was bad, but often what would happen is she would go in the hospital. She would be in the hospital a lot, but it would be, it would usually just be something minor. And when my sister and I would get there, my mother would say things like, Oh gosh, the only time I get to see both my girls together is when I'm in the hospital. Do you hear the big guilt word there? And so here's what I was doing. That was part of my mom's load, okay, in her life. She was in the hospital for something minor and oftentimes she just kind of wanted to be there. And of course I needed to check on her, make sure she was okay. But I was taking on all of that and dropping my own family. I was saying goodbye to my husband and my children, even though we had such little precious time to sit in the hospital all day with a mother who didn't necessarily need me there. Does that make sense? Because then I would feel guilty because I took on this load and dropped my own. Now, let me do say, you've heard me talk about my mom a lot. My mom passed away a couple of years ago and I learned so much during our journey together. In fact, some of my earlier years of of dealing with this guilt issue came from trying to get out of that bondage with my mother. So this verse allowed me to say, okay, I am responsible. Says in the Bible, I'm responsible for helping people with their burdens, not their loads, but I am going to do that. So if my mom's in the hospital and she has something she needs me for, then I am there. I need to go there. I need to be with her. I need to take care of her. But if it's something very simple, I need to check on her. I needed to put down her load and go and pick up my own. And I hope that's something you can really take to heart. Listing your loads and burdens can help you perceive the difference between the two and allows you to see, hey, this is my load. I need to carry this. This is somebody else's load. They need to carry theirs. I'll help when I can. When there's a burden, I'll absolutely be there. It doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we never help. But we have to manage our own load and not put it down just to pick up someone else's. (sighs) This was a lot in like 20 minutes. So let me condense it. Let Let me put this so that you can sort of hone in on this in eight steps. Eight sounds like a lot. I'm literally going to read it to you. Number one, do a core values assessment. Number two, Make a list of your loads and your burdens. Number three, visualize yourself in a courtroom defendant chair. Number four, use number one and two, your core values and your loads and burdens, as your prosecution evidence. Number five, are you guilty? Serve your sentence, whatever that means, and then walk out a free person. Number six, are you innocent? Substitute the correct emotion and still walk out a free person. Number seven, continue to serve others while taking care of yourself. And number eight, learn, grow, and live a life free from guilt bondage. 
And that is our time for today. I hope you learned something and will pass the show link on to a friend or two. You can find the show notes with all of these or these two downloads I talked about and get information if you'd like me to speak at your next event at TamUS.com. And the monthly giveaway will come from comments on the blog. So I would love to hear your experiences with guilt, how you've dealt with it, because mine was just one way and there are others that we would love to hear. And finally, remembering our mental and emotional well-being goal, I hope and pray that you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others, and make positive mental and emotional choices every single day of your life. And until next time, consider yourself hugged.